Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. As developer advocates, part of our job is to stand in front of people and present. And thus we can learn from those who present for a living. Kira Sheehan, my guest today, is a radio presenter, a journalist, and a tech entrepreneur. Time to learn some tricks of the trade. Kira, welcome to the Fireside Vox Gig podcast. It's great to have you on today. Um, so you are not a coder, you're not a developer advocate, but you are a founder. You are doing some really cool stuff with technology. And uh, you also happen to have some uh, kind of founder superpower skills like radio presenting and all that sort of fun stuff. Um, and some strong opinions about where tech is going to go, but we'll get to all of that. First of all, first of all, um, let's kind of start with the basics. Who are you and what does your company do? So my name is Kira Sheehan. You can call me low code, no code Kira from here on out. And I am the co-founder of Orb Media. What we do, Richard, is we take a cross-pollination of gaming software and we put it into e-commerce platforms to help improve the conversion rate for retailers and brands. And this is effectively uh, like 3D immersion. It's virtual experiences of the brands. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's a virtual store environment, although it doesn't have to be. It can be a desert island. It can be, you know, on the moon. It can be a beauty, a beauty spa or whatever you want it to be. Most people seem to gravitate towards the stores that we build. And we take all the brand assets and their hero products and we put them into the store in such a way that we discreetly gamify it. And when I say gamification, you know, there's lots of interpretations of that. Like the first thing I say to the lads on the team is it doesn't have to be zombies and helicopters. You know, it can be shiny gold coins. It can be moving brown Thomas logos. It can be exceptionally high quality, high rendered digital twins. You know, there's lots of ways to gamify something in order to feed the intermittent reward system in our brains. So yeah. the gamification can be zombies and helicopters, or it can be something a little more discreet in accordance with the brand values. And do you think, um, I mean, we, we, we've seen this, uh, I guess, refocusing on machine learning and all that sort of stuff, maybe away from virtual reality. This virtual, virtual reality, I guess, was pretty hot, but I, I always found that the tech was a little bit behind do you think yeah, it's so, improved or do you think it's or do you think we're sort of waiting for the next step up? So here's the thing about virtual reality. And I've never been a fan, like, which is ironic because everything we yeah. make, we make for mobile first. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm about inclusivity. And this is the thing about VR tech. VR tech is really only accessible to privileged people who have access to headsets and machines. That are really expensive, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's the first issue. And we're about inclusivity and democratization of the tech, right? That's kind of my underlying core value as a founder. When you put a VR headset on, you are actually taking yourself out of the room, but you're taking yourself out of your community in the room. So it's, it's a lone experience, even though it's meant to be a connected experience. So for me, I find... That, that dynamic doesn't really fit. I'm not a fan. I don't like it on my head. Um, it, it gives a lot of women uh, vertigo rather than men. Um, I think it's great for 
particular tasks or aspects of business aspects of learning I don't know what the knowledge transfer transfer measurement is like is it 100% I don't know but I do know it does have an impact and there's lots of cases of VR for good however yeah. if it's not task-led I think that it's overhyped if I'm truly honest in its current form you know it's great to see the Apple Vision Pro coming out at three thousand five hundred dollars you know, it's great to see Meta coming out with their new version of the Oculus Quest, which doesn't require an, all your de details to go to Meta and the new version, not the old version. For once, yeah. For once. So you don't have to give Zuckerberg a part of your soul just to put a VR headset on anymore. However, is the content of VR quality that's out there enough to drive user growth in a meaningful way? That is debatable. So what's the difference between, between that and what you do? So what we do is we build so that you can have an immersive experience, i.e. a 360 experience in the same quality as VR, built with the same technology, but on your phone, on your tablet, on a large screen in a retail environment. Um, if you're in an airport and there's a screen in the luxury lounge as we're designing for them so that you can pick up the tablet, have an immersive scroll through the duty free, buy your product, and then it can be delivered to your luxury lounge. So it's very much in that it's open to everybody to access. You don't need a VR headset, although it does work seamlessly and perfectly in VR. And this is what you mean, I guess, when you say democratizing it, because you only yeah. need a standard mobile phone to access the, yeah. to access it. Um, I'm intrigued by the possibilities because the gears are spinning in my head now around uh, developer education, because one of the challenges that uh, we have in the developer relations industry is that you're trying to explain really detailed, not difficult perhaps, but really detailed involved concepts, right? So if I'm trying to integrate with something, there's a lot of stuff that I've got to learn about an API. Uh, and there's been a trend recently where, uh, you know, your people are going just beyond the usual, uh, you know, reference manual and a few tutorials. People are trying to apply pedagogical principles. They're trying to say that you should have um, ways to learn in different media. So video content, short video content, um, online communities. Um, and I'm intrigued by the possibilities of your technology for learning as well. I know you're focused on e-commerce and the more marketing and sales end of things, but do you think it has potential around teaching complex concepts absolutely i do and i'll tell you why because you can take all of the standard 2d content formats you're talking about and you can put them you can embed them in such a way that the the user is on their own discovery-led journey and that they're compelled to click the next item so a few years right. ago when COVID hit and there was no gatekeepers we managed to get ourselves in conversation with vogue for business okay now we hustled our way so i have to be really clear about this right we hustled our way into a conversation and we understood that they had a, a challenge in how they presented their financial merchant services to a female audience. And we built an immersive experience for Vogue business that embedded all of that messaging in a really discreet way, layered in between high fashion um, and luxury items, including items for men. And every single video that we put in, they were only YouTube videos, but every single one of them was watched till the end. And some of them were quite yeah. long. 
So that's that's because it's not just right. Let's be clear, right? What you're doing is not just sort of three sixty views of a, a fashion article or, no. or something like that. No. This is actual uh, learning content. This is information. This is useful. It's a, like a, a journey that you take. People. Yes, it is. So to give you an idea, is we do some work in the SME sector, right? So even though our core offering is to be, is building a platform for e-commerce and brands, we at the start need to keep the lights on. And we keep the lights on in the SME sector. So we work with brands, we work with customers across various industries. And one of the projects we did was for a lighting distribution company. And they wanted to, they were wholesale and they wanted to teach the engineers who would be helping sell these lighting systems how to use them so we built a virtual warehouse and in the warehouse we had those products and then as as an aside we had like a little showroom and in the showroom we had the products and at the end of it we had a quiz so we were able to educate they gave us the questions we were able to educate the users based on what they had just learned in the showroom and that was for lighting distribution company yeah yeah, I'm particularly uh, particularly intrigued by the 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 fact that I have I have teenage children. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, the way that they like to experience media is TikTok, Snapchat, and these really short sequences. Yeah. Uh, of different things, and I'm I'm not talking about you know dancing videos. I'm talking about science videos, all sorts yeah. of stuff like that. Um, <laughs> their primary learning medium is video. Right, and it yeah. outclasses what they learn in school. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, my 10 year old come, comes up to me the other day and goes, oh, the universe is going to expand forever. And it's the expansion rate is getting faster over time. Like, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I was in my 20s when I found that out yeah. from a, you know, a new scientist or some magazine. Um, the, the, the level of learning that you can achieve and sort of uh, deep knowledge, right, where it's not stuff. Like if you tried to study a textbook in school and you just forget the stuff after you do the exam and you've forgotten it then, right? But uh, the video stuff kind of stays because it's this multi-sensory experience, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're going for? That that type of thing. Well, we're yeah. So it's kind of come in the in the commercial side, so in the e-commerce retail side, and um, what you're doing is you're taking the core aspects of gaming technology. And you're building them into the shopping experience, but equally they can be built into an e-commerce experience or an e-learning experience in right, exactly the exactly, same way. Right. Yeah. So what you're doing is you understand the intermittent reward system in your brain. And that's what releases dopamine through the synapses in your brain, which compels you to go to the next level, click on the next icon, engage for the next two minutes, knowing that there will be another reward at yeah. the next level of that experience, whether that's shopping or learning. Yeah, it's interesting because I've never seen anybody try to structure um, developer learning in this way. The closest thing that I can think of is there was a time before the Chrome web browser years and years ago. <laughs> and when Google first brought it out, um, they've, as usual, targeted it at techies. And one of the things that they did to make it popular was... So it had a, a it had a new system that made it faster, right? New underlying technology, and one of the things they did was they produced a comic book explaining the technology, which I read end to end. Right, it was fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm 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 a serious technologist. I have a degree in computer science, so I've read the textbooks. 
and the you know the the uh, state of the art books and all that type of stuff. Uh, but I was quite happy reading a comic. Yeah, you would right? be because it's, uh, it's a diverse way to take in new information. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a large amount of scope in my industry for new learning media, new ways of learning. Um, I'm just gonna plug you because I think I think I think somebody <laughs> should do this. <laughs> what is it? Or, or media.com, right? That's 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 your website. Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah. So when you log on to that, you'll see a selection of the projects that we've done. But as I said to you, we do quite a bit in the SME sector. We have a lot of money to raise. So, you know, they say the best way to get to raise is from your customers. So uh, you know, we can build test and learn pilots, you know, we can build, you know, very low cost demonstration platforms. It's it's actually straightforward enough once you have the content outlined. Yeah. Well, if you're a developer advocate and you're trying to get people to use your API, <laughs> right? <That's good>. yeah. <laughs> Talk to Kira, because I think uh I think we miss out on different ways of learning, right? It's it's a lot of it is just so textual. Um and it's quite Difficult and boring in a lot of ways. Uh, it is difficult you have, and boring. You have learned not to be difficult and boring because, or perhaps perhaps just boring, right? It's important to be difficult. I think that's an important quality. As a woman, you definitely have to be difficult. Yes, yes. It's a badge of honor, in fact. Mm. Uh, you kind of learned your stripes when it comes to entrepreneurship and promotion of things um, with an obsession with radio. So I'd like to talk about that a little bit because... A lot of the people who listen to this podcast have to get out there and present on stage. They have to do podcasts. They have to be interviewed in podcasts. They have to host podcasts. They have to do Twitch, all that sort of stuff. Um, and a lot of people are a little bit intimidated. Um, there are people with big egos like the two of us who just jump up and start spouting in public. Um, but how do you get started? Where? You know, what have you learned being on radio? So I, I guess... I guess I'm looking for um tell us your most embarrassing radio story. Let's let's start with let's start with lessons of what not to do. My most embarrassing radio story. I'll tell you actually something that happened to me when I was very young, which I wouldn't say it was embarrassing, but it really impacted my confidence. So I was in and out of radio studios from the time I was about 14. Um I I I wangled my way into some pirate radio stations in Dublin. And then I went on and I couldn't get into Rathmine Senior College to do a degree in journalism because I was two points short in the Leaving Cert. And I repeated the Leaving Cert and then the points went up. Like, And it was ah. like, the, it was only a certificate course. And at this point, I'd been published in the Irish Times, Phoenix Magazine, all the local newspapers that I was involved in in Dublin. I was only 17. But Ireland being Ireland, they wouldn't let me in. Machine, uh, You know, computer says no. Yeah. And... I ended up, I went to Colossia Dulig and Coolock and they had a media course. So on the back of that, I had something produced in RTE. Two, two pieces produced in RTE and the gay born show, God rest him. And I managed to get myself into the very early days of Today FM. And I had this really good uh, news editor, Paddy Clancy, his name was. And one day he put me into studio and he said, I want you to read this piece uh, for the news. And I read the piece and he said, I'll be back in a few minutes. And he walked out of the studio. And just as the studio door closed, I heard him say, she sounds too young. People won't take her seriously. Uh, and my heart sank. Uh, my heart sank because you can't. What can you do about that? Like you can't change your voice and then yeah. you can't change perception. And, and I did you still have to go and 
do the piece then? Like, Well, I still did the piece, but I knew from overhearing that, that my trajectory would not be in the news on radio. Yeah. So that was really tough to take, really tough. So, and the reason I'm telling you that is because no matter who's out there and who's trying to get out of their comfort zone, it's all about perception. And it's never about you. It's about the audience. So you have to forget that you even matter. You just have to think about the audience. What do they want from this? Mm. And really, you're just the vessel for delivery. But if you can enhance that delivery as impactfully as possible, you know, with your quirkiness, with your swearing, with, you know, with your the mistakes that you make, then that makes it actually a lot more intriguing than someone who's delivering a Shakespearean pitch perfect script. Because people don't want that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so much polished stuff out there, right? But you, yeah. it's so hard to find things that are um, just real, right? Um, that have an authenticity to them. Um, yeah, I mean, is, is it a bit cliche to say that kind of that kind of boils down to be yourself? Maybe is it? Is that the advice? No, a bit more. What I would say is just don't try and be anyone else. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's that. And I remember I was pitching for um, <laughs> this this will tell you right how far I've come. I was pitching to Enterprise Ireland for CSF funding, right? And this is my third time to pitch, and it was on Zoom. And a friend of mine in the industry said to me, "Listen, Kira, have three gin and tonics." She said, "Be your best, Beck Gilroy." <laughs> that was her exact <laughs> words, right? And for anyone who doesn't know, Beck Gilroy was a landlady in the Rose Return. Yeah. in the 70s and 80s and she was so sassy she did not take any prisoners and I thought you know what she's right I don't like feck it I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna give it my best Beth Gilroy and that yeah. was me like literally kind of saying listen the bus is leaving town I'm driving the bus are you on it rather than trying to conform to this pitch perfect you know completely well delivered uh, explanation of the tech at the end of the day Beck Gilroy got the funding we got it in the end yeah but it was there you go and I purely believe that's why we got it uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because people are often afraid of making a fool of themselves right um but you can't you can't really do that if you're authentic I think the only way you can do it is if you're uh, you know if you're actually dishonest if what you're selling isn't yeah. You know, if you're if if you're a shill for something or there's some sort of scam going on. Yeah, like um, just call out. If you're the actually fakery. genuine about what your message. Yeah, just call out the fakery. Be. Don't no fakery. And if you yeah. like, if you mess up or if things don't go right, you have to remember the audience don't know that. That's a critical thing, isn't it? I and I, this is something that I often often find people that makes people really nervous, especially when it comes to doing conference talks um they don't know how it's supposed to go so they can't tell if you've made a mistake only yeah. you know right yeah <laughs> so you can just keep you can just keep going and it's fine <laughs> nobody nobody ever fight nobody ever knows like um yeah i think um people do get so wound up do you have do you i mean when you when you're about to go on the radio do you do you still get that nervousness sort of butterflies in your tummy thing or is it have, have you done it so much yeah. now that it's kind of no, I wouldn't say that. What I do get is I do, I'm an over-preparer when it comes to the facts, right? So to me, it's all about the facts and the research. And I think, oh, have I researched that enough? 
was that figure for Fortnite? Was it 544 million or five or 54 million? No, it was definitely 544 million. Even though I know it's 544 million. Yeah. I still doubt myself rather than the nervousness because I've kind of I've moved on from that in that like bear in mind, right? The radio show that I do is on FM 104 and it's a, it's really good crack, right? So I have to remember that the people who are listening are people in chippers. They're taxi drivers. There are kids who are coming home from college with their headphones on. Um, they're on a bus. Like, they just want to know what is the story with Web3? Like, what is the crack with AI? And, you know, why is it so complicated? And my job is to demystify it, to tell them what the crack is. So, and but at the same time, at the time I'd be like, oh, my God, did I get those facts right? Did I get all those facts in? And my producer just laughs and she's just like, doesn't matter. a tax driver. <laughs> Listening to this, going to think, what planet is this on? Is this really for real? Yeah. We were discussing this um, this this project called um, Worldcoin by Sam Altman. The yeah, yeah, right. And it's about this this massive golf ball, massive bowling ball that basically scans your eyeball. When it scans it, it turns it into code, and the code comes out as your individual proof of personhood. And the reason you're going to need that is because there's going to be so many bots out there in AI land that no one's going to believe you're real, right? So that's all yeah, yeah. that's all in the in the pitch deck, right? But then what happened was um the people at WorldCoin started offering poor people money for their eyeball scans. And because the Chinese weren't allowed to download the app, they started offering the poor people money for the code to prove that they were actually people. So this crazy story came up where the Chinese were offering money to the people from Kenya who had no money, who were being paid by uh, Sam Altman to get their eyeballs scanned. So the people in China were buying proof. It sounds of like a movie plot. <laughs> yeah. So the people in China were buying proof of personhood. And it wasn't them. Yeah. So we were talking about this, right? And I was saying to Louise, Jesus, you know, like, this is the story. And then, then I, and then afterwards I said, oh, did I mention that there, it was actually 50 American dollars? And she was like, Kira, there's okay. a taxi driver somewhere listening to this thinking, what in the name of God is this? How can this be real? <laughs> it is real. And it's happening. And it's true. And there's 15 million users on there now. And they've all had money. And they're all, and in the, in the, in the dark practices, they're selling the scans of their eyeballs. But that's real. So therefore, that wasn't about me. That was about the audience. And me saying this is coming down the line, lads. Yeah. Well, speaking of things coming down the line, because uh, I, I did want to ask you because it, it is your business, right? Mm. What you thought of uh, Mark Zuckerberg and the metaverse and machine learning and where all that stuff is going, right? Because it, I mean, it's fair to say it, it's it, and maybe he did a lot of damage to it because it has taken a few knocks because of his incredibly awful avatar. <laughs> Good yeah, Lord. I know. God, like, <laughs> like, where is it going? Like, what's going to happen with all this stuff? I mean, you you are obviously finding a use for it, like a, a practical niche. But what the, what's the bigger picture? Like, where is it going to go? So the when people mention the metaverse, the first thing they think is hype cycle. Okay. Yeah. So what Mark Zuckerberg did was he tried to take ownership of the word metaverse, right? And the metaverse and meta are two separate things. And he created this hype cycle. And AI then stepped in in the middle of the hype cycle and took all the hype. So he created these really creepy avatars that you wouldn't want your children to see at <laughs> half nine at night under like on a tablet under the bed. I know. Um, and he he put them in this really 
low quality graphics environment. And he kind of took all the sexiness out of it by trying to be the gatekeeper yet again. So on one side, you have the gatekeepers meta where they basically are selling you an immersive advertising engine. That's it. Like, that's all it is. They want your eyeballs. They want your data. Same trick again as it was in in Facebook, in Web2. But on the other side, you have these community builders who are building interoperable worlds that we can all visit where we don't have to give our data. We don't need proof of personhood. We can go in, we can hang it, we can learn, we can, you know, we can exchange values. There's an there's amazing recruitment options in Web3, e-learning, like anything that you can think of that you're interested in. Say, for example, you're interested in Formula One. Like you can go into a Formula One metaverse type space and engage with other Formula One fanatics. And that's all outside the gatekeepers where they get to keep your data and they watch everything that you do and they track everything that you do. So you've got the sec, this other community who they're building for they're building for good and they're building. Some of them have funding, some of them don't, but they're basically building this other universe where when things become interoperable and linked, we can all hang out and we can all exchange value, education and information if we want to. And if you think of when I do a lot of um, corporate education on Web3 in the metaverse, right? And I do it in the finance sector and in retail. And people say to me, like, what does it actually mean? What does it actually mean? And this is what I say. The metaverse is a spectrum of digital functionality, depending on where you are in your digital life. So if you're on Snapchat, that can be argued that that's the metaverse because it's not real. Yeah. However, from there, you go all the way up the scale of the spectrum to the hardcore blockchain web three guys who say it's not on the blockchain it's not in the metaverse so it's a spectrum of functionality depending on the user so therefore when it comes to interoperability people talk about oh fortnite and um, minecraft and roblox are web three they're not they are web two stroke two and a half what they've done is they've built these massive platforms where people can build and make money and spend money and hang out in these gaming environments, but they're still web too. Yeah. So it kind of depends on when things become linked. So I come back to the games again. So when you can go from Fortnite to Minecraft without having to log out and log back in, then it's interoperable. Yeah. And then yeah. The functionality builds out from there. The plumbing builds out from there even though there is a whole other layer of plumbing, protocol plumbing that's currently going on. We're still waiting for, I, I'm a science fiction enthusiast and all, all this all this stuff, right, is, is, this is the science fiction that I love, right? But it's, it's still, it still seems so far away, right? Because I, I, even though, okay, I don't have to, I don't have a dial-up modem anymore, but you know, still have to connect to Wi-Fi. I still have to press buttons and make things happen and yeah, go I to gmail.com and, you know, it's clunky, yeah. right? Yeah, I think people are waiting for that scene of that Tom Cruise film. Yeah, Minority Report, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and all the screens come up. That's what people are waiting for. And that will come when we get, like, the Google Glasses that we can wear that are discreet. That You know, unlike the Facebook Ray-Bans that are, that are just not appropriate in any way yeah. Yeah. Um, for ethical reasons. But when we have mixed reality then I think it will feel nearer. Like, like the thing I say about the metaverse, especially when I'm pitching to investors is retailers and brands are, they know it's there, but they're afraid of it. And it feels so far away. 
but in some ways it's not so far away because if your customer is between 11 and 22 they're already in it they just yeah. don't know it they are yeah and that's the new generation of coders as well right which is part of yeah. the reason why i i, I uh, was really interested to have this discussion because the old ways of teaching people how to use your api or documentation or whatever um you know nobody has time for that anymore right you've got to you've got or to be able to reach people span. or the attention span yeah, yeah absolutely or the attention so, span the, the attention uh, span is 1.7 seconds is your attention span now richard thanks to tiktok wow. i've noticed that and myself was, even right yeah it was the tiktok people who told me that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um god and we used to sit in our bedrooms studying <laughs> for hours on end i can't imagine anyone doing that now Kira, thank you so much. It's been uh, absolutely fascinating, covering a really wide range of stuff. Um, my hope out of this is that somebody in the developer relations space will pick it up and um, somebody's going to build some sort of immersive API learning environment, um, which well, is an awful help, lot more exciting yeah. than looking up reference documentation. I absolutely. If they need a hand, let me know. And I would say if anyone's out there and they have to do stuff online or podcasts or radio stuff, just remember, somebody told me this years ago, when you think the spotlight is on you, mentally move the spotlight to the audience. And then that makes it much easier just to be your true self. Yeah, fabulous. Wise words, wise words. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Take care. Good talking. Bye-bye. <laughs> you can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.